Welcome to Full Metal RPG. I'm your host. Uh, I'm Richie Buzzkill, and I'm here tonight with a good, good, good friend of mine who I've not seen since the before and the long, long ago. Chris Gray, what's up, Chris? It's so good to see you, and it has been decades, I think, maybe. Yeah, well, I many centu- moons, centuries, even yeah. like at this point, like who knows? You know, you were like. I would. I don't know if I'd even recognize you. I was like, "Yeah, I've got a long beard. I've got my hair very shaved back, and like, it, you know, it's just." I really was during the during the uh, middle times. I was almost going full wizard. Like I had like two stupid long hair and like a long super long beard, and but sadly that didn't help me learn any magic. <laughs> just, well, it better reflects your insights. I think yeah. you know you, you you look more like you feel maybe. Exactly. Yeah. No, I was, I was definitely feeling, uh, you know, it was, it was helping me to get, uh, into the right headspace to, to think and talk about RPGs as well as just like, you know, chill out, uh, in, in my own room while being on zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, you look great and it has been a long time. I can't wait to, uh, meet up in person one day maybe within the next few years yeah yeah and it we had some uh setbacks in the in the con scene around here so i can't tempt you with things you like here but <laughs> i'm hoping at some point to get out to strategic con uh over by you um or you know we meet at some gigantic other conventions that are happening uh, someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's three to choose from, uh, you know, a year I'm going to be there president's day weekend. Um, actually exhibiting this time for the first time, which is oh, odd wow. for me. And, um, and I'll be running my, my newest games. So I'm really looking forward to that. Seeing everybody, the happy Jack's crew will be there. It'll be fun. Oh yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love to hang out with, I've, I listen to them so they're like my friends, but they're not my friends. A parasocial <laughs> relationship. Uh, but uh, you know, I would like to go out there and hang out with people and 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 meet them and uh, you know uh, learn about uh, whatever bard shenanigans they're up to today. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I know it's it's hard to get back to normalcy, but we have to try in our own way, I suppose. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We have to be more normal like i my my our good good friend daryl who was helped me with arizona game fair and all sorts of other stuff he ran like a little day con here yesterday so i was uh i was hanging out with brendan we played uh saga age of magic which is like a a fantasy war game and then uh we played delta green uh and you know so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i love playing like old times like like playing cthulhu stuff in public is always the best like <laughs> it's like oh wait wait the things you're describing may cause people to call the cops like <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah right that's uh that is true and delta green in particular um that is uh that's a wild game I wish I was there. That would have been great. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll shout out you uh, next time he he does the thing, and we'll see if we can uh, come up with a good excuse for you to uh, come up with the land of ten thousand cactus, uh, cacti. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's only a state away. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was good seeing everybody. It's it's sort of like just as I was saying, like we haven't seen each other in like a decade, basically, or two at this point and like it's the same way when i go to local cons like hey i know you hey i know you hey and then people that i've been familiar with that i've talked to forever like i walk in and i wave and they're like give me like what <laughs> like they don't even know who i am so um so i guess i've i've successfully molted as they say and uh, you've reached your final form well my dad my dad's like bagging on my gray and my beard and i'm like dad i'm over 40 come on <laughs> i used to have a beard actually I had a beard and long hair it looked like jesus and um i uh i started getting gray in my mid-20s and i was like i don't know to hell with that and i haven't had a beard since but now i'm gracefully going gray so i'm cool with it right 
yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, you know, there, there's a stage where you're like, you got to kind of accept that that's what's going to happen, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, we're 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 just here to have some fun. Right. And have you had any fun lately? Have you been doing any gaming or? Yeah, I've been I've been keeping up on it. Um, I think the biggest thing going on in my life right now is is my Kickstarter, um, which is my first in a year. Uh, I was actually kind of quiet this last year. Um, really just playing campaigns of what became my Kickstarter. Uh, and that is, uh, that's live now called Dungeon Caster. So some, some gritty old school OSR style fantasy. Yeah. And um, I've also been playing Vampire again. Uh, oh, I'm running a new Vampire campaign with my weekly group. And we, we pulled out 5e and we're, we're in it. We're in it. And it's, uh, it's in Chicago. I actually, said they chose Chicago. So I got Chicago by night. And I'm running it by the book, man. R A W. I am just like doing what the book tells me. It's awesome. Most of the work is already done. You just gotta like, you know, connect the dots and when they burn the thing down that you were planning, you gotta move it over here, you know. Right. Um, (laughs) uh, so are you playing what uh what generation are they uh they playing? They're the um no, I forget the, the the names, but they're like the normal generation. So they're not quite they're not quite the young ones and they're not the old ones. Yeah, I still want to play uh, the Thin Blood campaign. Yeah, I think that is like the most compelling part of Fifth Edition Vampire. Like, I get it that like I love, and I would t- if somebody said, "Oh, we're gonna play Fifth Edition, and we're gonna play a vampire, and then we're gonna um, we're gonna play regular vampires." I'm like, cool, but like I would be like, "Do you want to?" I think extra spicy would be great. Could we could we have extra spicy and have thin bloods and thin blood magic and all sorts of weirdness that is that world? Yeah, there's a whole nother layer now. Um yeah. with all the elders leaving and the, the lore has changed substantially in five E. And and we're just exploring. I mean, I'm I'm relearning it. And I, I never really played Vampire that much. I, I played Werewolf more back in the nineties. Um, and I was always into mage, but vampire was sort of like the, you know, I was never quite got in it, but, uh, uh, so I'm not as up on the lore, but my, my group is, and, um, they're really loving all of the changes in the story, uh, or I should say the prog- the progress on the story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're having a good time. Uh, are, good. are you using the lore skills to help, uh, narrow their their lore usage <laughs> i actually gave them chicago by night and said this is a small vampire community you know everything that's in this book oh just, okay it's passing you just kind of know all the stuff that's in this book um just because realistically there are only maybe a couple of dozen major vampire players you know in in, in chicago and there's probably you know all of the minions and stuff definitely a lot more but the major players that's all public knowledge and so um, that the, the cost of that, though, is that their operation is also public knowledge. And um, and they're sort of they sort of made like a like the movie Heat. That's sort of like their their heist heist people. And um, and so like everybody in the secret world knows what they're all about and they can't get away with shit, you know, so it's really kind <laughs> of uh, kind of a double edged sword. But that's how I approached it, uh, mostly because the players all know the stuff anyway. So I didn't want to play that game of. Well, would my character know as well? Yeah, they probably would because they've been here for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing about, I mean, if you want to play that game of whether they know the thing or not, is they have the lore skills where you like, you can have ranks in like Mm -hmm. knowing uh, about the, the, this uh, cabal or whatever the particular lore piece that they're, you know, talking about. And I, I like that idea because, I'm not super into the lore and I want to kind of bring everybody into the same, the same circle. So like, I'd be like, Hey, it's cool that you know that, but uh, I don't really, I don't know that part of the lore. So I'm not, I can't, I can't bounce off of it. I can't like, and then I, you know, I could get there, but it'd be like, Hey, I really want to do that. This wants to be part of what my character is doing. I was like, cool. I will learn about that and we can integrate it. Right. Mm, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't need somebody to be like, well, that's not how that works. And I'm like, <laughs> it is now. And also do you <laughs> expect any vampire to be a reliable narrator? <laughs> Fortunately, I have players that are much kinder than that. Uh, so I, I don't have to worry about that. I could definitely see the point. 
And um, I'm very hand wavy about all of the games that I run. And so um, it's sort of just in my nature. We um, we just got back. I, I was running the Dungeon Caster rules on this vampire is a new one. And we just started just a few sessions in. But before that, we were running um, Princes of the Apocalypse, the uh, 5e Dungeons and Dragons Venture Path by using Dungeon Caster rules. And um, we're playing out a campaign on that. And, and that was a blast. But we just lost momentum because everybody kept on missing. We had all of this life stuff come up and it was just one thing after another. And we finally had to reset and like, okay, let's just stop this campaign because we lost our momentum. Let's do something different. And we settled on vampire. So it's kind of brand new to me and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Well, awesome. And, and uh, I can totally, um, you know, I, I like, I'm always interested when people are using the material from one system to play in another system. Yeah right it it is very common in the osr scene to like just start like just whatever material is going to but your your the dungeon caster system is a is a very it, it still has you know a lot of similarities and that's why uh you know i think one of the reasons you're pushing it now is because you wanted to get out under, out under the ogl right is right um yeah yeah, I had to. Highcaster was released about a year ago. Was that right? Uh, maybe less than a year ago. Um, and it was released under the OGL. In the um, the rules are also for Highcaster are very epic fantasy. Like it doesn't really work for Dungeons and Dragons very kind of play very well because you're 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 playing like very OP characters that can end cities and things. I mean, you're playing like Hercules that kind of thing. Um, so so the rules uh, weren't great for D and D settings. So I, but I wanted to play D and D settings. So I I tailored the rules. For that and that's what dungeon caster is uh but it happened at a time actually i was sitting on these rules i, I must have played two uh, maybe even three campaigns counting the, the middle school group i run using the systems i've been using it for a long time for me and uh that that uh that was just sort of sitting around but when this ogl fiasco came i was like oh well i'm gonna have to relicense all of this anyway so i may as well just put this out now and then i'll i'll retro i'll retcon highcaster so highcaster I'm, I'm i'm putting into a second edition now which is basically the same game except now it's uncoupled from ogl and under the creative commons so it's um it, but but it's having i had to do it in a way that protects the highcaster intellectual property separates the rules from that and so the rules are are, are creative commons the ip is copyrighted and, and uh, creative commons is a little is way different than ogl and how it's how it functions so so i'm actually having to re-engineer the game altogether um and then dungeon caster i just put out because it was ready the whole thing is a, a creative commons and you know you can just make whatever game or setting you want with it right there's no implied setting to dungeon no. caster the implied setting is maybe uh the world's largest role-playing game but right right <laughs> and i am working on the first setting for dungeon caster and high caster they're the same rules it's just uh dungeon caster is has 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 different uh has, is more um prescriptive on the th kinds of things that you can do um so I, I am working on the first setting using dungeon caster rules but it's a high caster setting and, oh, okay. and that's that, that's i'm under uh kind of put myself under fire on that one so i'm working on it yeah and and i think um even though and we're recording this like right pretty much a couple days before i'm going to put it out so who knows what could happen between now and then but we, but Watsi has basically put the five E SRD under uh, Creative Commons, which is I, kind of hilarious because I think Strahd is in there, which I find yeah. is the 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 most because now I can write my Strahd fiction I wanted to write. Anyways, never mind. <laughs> right, and I, I haven't looked at the particulars, but it's a really interesting if if what I what I understand as being the SRD. Uh, is entirely put under Creative Commons, then they're giving up some of their IP, and either they don't care or they don't understand that. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I, at least in my implementation, I'm having to specify: okay, this is uh, Creative Commons. This section, uh, this section is not right. And and you really have to be very specific about what is Creative Commons, what isn't. And um, and the beauty of the OGL was that you could just slap it on and say, uh, except for all the IP, you know, in, right. the, in the license. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Creative Commons, no, you have to be particular, you have to be very specific. And um, 
at least with Dungeon Caster, the whole thing is Creative Commons. But when I'm working in High Caster, I've got to protect. I don't want people making High Caster content without my approval. So, um, uh, but I'm happy with them using High Caster rules. So you have to actually keep it sort of separated. I don't think Watsi's doing that. Yeah, I, I don't really, you know, we could, I could do a whole show about this, but yes. like we don't really know yet because yeah. it's, I would not, I would make the standard bet that 6E is not going to be under the same license, um, which would probably be a mistake, but that's, that's, that's my, that's my current bet about like, oh yeah, okay, we're, we need to shut down the bleeding. I think that's the, the yeah. current thought is like we need to shut down the bleeding even if we lose a little bit of something like we do not have to get time to go through all this stuff we need to stop the bleeding mm-hmm. and we need to get people to move on and come back or at least cool down so they can come back for the next book release right that's yes. that's as far as i could tell that's what the in my mind it was a a board with a guy like pounding his hand on the table like this is t- we're losing how many subscribers and all you know like <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it, it's very interesting as a, as a case study for um our industry and obviously i come at this from a different angle than you know just your average player community member um i'm coming at it from a business angle i'm, I'm a businessman by profession <laughs> And I, I think I'm also a marketer, career marketer. I've been doing it my whole life. Um, I, I do a lot of big business with a lot of big companies. And um, I can tell you that our our ecosystem, the gamer ecosystem, is very different than the rest of the world. And what business people need to realize is that you can't treat fandom like consumers. It's a completely different equation, completely different dynamic. And, you know, Hasbro could have marched in and done this in any other situation and nobody would have cared. But because it was fandom, because there's this personal investment by every person in this industry and in this community, you, you can't just rewrite the rules like that. Plus, these are gamers. We know rules, you know, and and, <laughs> and, and, and just by being a gamer, you're a creator. And so, you know, your, your average game master, your average player, they're creators, you know, no different than I am. And, and we're not just consumers. And so... Business people need to understand that. I hope Hasbro took notes. I, I would hope so, but you know, we'll we'll see. But like that's that's what I kind of was like. First of all, I can make the same game over and over again. Just have to rewrite it every time, right? It's it, it was OGL was a shortcut to be able mm-hmm. to use the terms and some of the some of the same. It's giving a common language so that yes. people can translate, right? Where I can make a constitution point system and, you know, a defense value and like I could I can rename everything and use the exact same roles and rules. Like because you according to a few rulings, it's all, you know, you you can you can you can trademark, but you can't copyright. So, yeah, yeah, so that's a very good point. And the reason it worked was because it was creating fluency. Everybody had some understanding of what you were talking about. So you had a baseline to work with. And that was the biggest value that it created. And another thing from a businessman point of view, not to harp on this, but the big thing that they underestimated was the, the power of, of a network economy. And what they thought was this was a normal economy, but it's not. It's a network economy. And that means that uh, everybody has contributed to the web that has lifted up the entire franchise. And so we, it, it isn't owned by Watsi anymore, as much as they want it to be. You know, the world owns it. Um, and And that was something that they miscalculated as well. Every player who has befriended a kobold owns this <laughs> game in their heart, right? Yes. Every every uh, goblin NPC that the players have like foisted on their shoulders and 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 carried with them like detritus, it has endeared this idea, this fantasy, to the people that play this. Everyone that's create it, it's a continuous creative experience and we we're all in this uh, you know especially fantasy we're all creating this fantasy together and you know but that leads us on to our topic for this evening just talking about (laughs) talking about fantasy role-playing and you know what is the magic of this genre 
right? This genre of fantasy is not really that big except for role-playing. Like, it is... It is it, the role-playing launched all the video games, right? And, and the you know, there are best-selling fantasy novels, but they are get dwarfed by other genres of media, right? Like, if you looked at the genre landscape, you would think that, you know, superheroes would the, be the most popular game style. But why is fantasy, you know, burrowed with, like, a dagger through the back into our hearts? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's it's also a baseline for for games. I mean, everything usually is. Uh, that's Angus. That's the dog. Yeah. Uh, everything is usually you know from the point of view of fantasy before moving into other genres. And so, like when you have a superhero game, that's always benchmarked against a fantasy game. And so it's it's interesting that that's the baseline. Um, I think the I think the reason is um, it's I don't know, what is the reason for that. I, I I think it is uh, drawn from a place of mythology. Uh, we as a society are very interested in creating um, our mythological roots. This is something I think is innate in human nature. Um, and, that, and that might be that might be the reason why it's why it's so pervasive in this channel and not like in in, in movies because when you think about movies, some of them, yes, definitely align totally with a role-playing game. But most of the time when people talk about movies, I saw a headline from like CNBC or somebody saying, well, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the, this is not the Dungeons and Dragons movie isn't, isn't another Game of Thrones. And I'm like, what? That had to be a headline? But that is the benchmark for fantasy and movies, I think, since Lord of the Rings. So I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. Why does as as a as a practice for uh, game playing? Why is it RPG? Why is RPG so interested in fantasy? Well, I mean, it it could be that it's the first mover advantage of it was the first game, right? That that in in most genres of things, whatever the first thing was, kind of becomes the biggest thing. Superman, uh, Lord of the Ring. I mean. There's many fantasies before Lord of the Rings, but Lord of the Rings was this like, blue, you know, but it was small for a long time until the hippies picked it up. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was until it became teenage culture, you know, uh, but I, I do think that, yes, there is this, especially as Americans, uh, we're always kind of looking for our mythology because we're such we have our cultural mythology from wherever we came from but we we all always have this like mixed uh, melting pot of like different cultures coming together and i feel like that that has this like effect of like kind of disconnecting us somewhat from those mythologies at least for me anyways like i don't you know i mean i i'm, I'm interested in in my heritage cultures but i don't i don't feel like those are myths that are told to me anymore like there's the american myth and and america i feel like created two art forms in the last century and that was jazz and role-playing because those are the only two i feel like the only two real art forms that we really got over the last the last century so like that weren't then derived into something, you know, music then evolved, right, into something else. But role-playing has many ages, but it hasn't really gotten past the jazz stage. <laughs> and when you ways. look at what the uh, what the fantasy genre means for role-players, um, it isn't very historical. It isn't very literary. I mean, we can't really say that we're playing Lord of the Rings. I mean, you have to get the one ring to do that. There's the the... the what we call just, you know, standard fantasy role play really isn't like Renaissance Britain. And it's definitely not Iron Age, you know, Mediterranean. It's somewhere in between. And and I think the uh, uh, if we draw from Tolkien roots, we're really talking about sort of a mythological Britain. But it really is so disassociated from mythological Britain. It, it's become its own thing, its own genre. And you know it when you see it, like Vox Machina obviously from critical role 
clearly nails it you know and if you but if you're looking at house of dragons it's definitely not and and, and i i i actually don't see that experience of fantasy very much in other media it's but but it's so innate in uh in our in our game making and on our style of play that we have it's usually some sort of roguish outsider gang that is in some ruined society trying to become a hero uh, against all odds that's usually the trope we're dealing with but what what point of history does that fall in i mean it really doesn't there is no place or time that really reflects that yeah i mean it's it's like the like the dungeon being the core experience of fantasy, yeah. right? Even though for thousands of years, uh, fantasy tales or you know folklore tales were about all sorts of you know war and love and and all these other experiences, but there's something so compelling about the core experience of you and your friends getting around a table playing characters that are a bunch of friends who are uh journeying forth to do a thing and that thing happens to be in this deep underground uh, uh cellar where some old uh corpses are running around like why is why is the dungeon what we're, I mean, I know we're kind of casting around here, but it's like, it's, I don't think anybody's really figured it out. I think people really love it, but I don't know if it's well understood why games lend themselves towards this style of fantasy Which of is, the dungeon, is, right? It's in of itself, too. I mean, it doesn't really exist anywhere else. And this, this dungeon delving idea... I mean, there there are roots into the Minotaur story in ancient Greece, um, where there was this sort of carved labyrinth underground, can't see, nothing but horrors and monsters are bound. I think there might be some roots there. But when you look at it, like, you know, really what we're talking about is some old society has crumbled and fallen, and the ruins remain. And there is there are monsters in those ruins, and there's treasure in those ruins. And the only way you're going to make something of yourself is if you go into those ruins and find that treasure... I, I can't think of anywhere where that exists beyond role-playing games. I mean, I, I, I it may be the fall of Rome in, you know, sort of pre-conquest Britain, maybe. But, you know, you don't hear stories about, you know, Britons going digging underneath Roman ruins to find... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean the the British ex, uh, the British explorers, quote unquote, are basically the closest we have to these the murder hobos from from fantasy role playing games, because they go around the world like cracking open tombs and stealing a bunch of shit. Right. Well, the Victorians, right? Right. Yeah. The Victorians <laughs> right. like go around the world and like, oh, this is mine now. It's going in my museum. Like, right. I think actually, hilariously, I got an idea for a product. Someone should write an RPG about raiding the British Museum. <laughs> yes. they, they temples should, and tombs would work. Use te that. Yeah, temples and tombs. We raid the British Museum, and there's got to be all kinds of hilarious British stereotypes that could be used as guards and monsters inside of the British Museum. Maybe Mecca, <laughs> me Mecca Queen at the end, or something like that. Like, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> <laughs> that that's as far as I can tell that th those a lot of those stories, those pulp stories, you know, the Victorian age was not was less than 100 years. Previous to when role playing games were created, right? right. So it was the late 1800s. So the pulp uh, uh, stories that were told were very much based on the victorian adventures quote unquote right sure, sure. that, that yeah. then morphed into all of the other fantasy writing pulp stuff from the early and then you know you've got uh howard and and mm -hmm. and the conan adventures and you've got the mythos and the, the you know you've got you've got seeds of it early but it doesn't become this like like how do you get a dungeon under a castle that is as elaborate as anything any dungeon in any Dungeons and Dragons 
has ever been. <laughs> yeah, and you need the ragtag group of adventurers. I mean, that's the other trope that's so hard to disconnect. I mean, Highcaster as a game really does not do that. And it was, it's meant for more of a mythological play. And so when I tried to use Highcaster to play D&D, it just totally didn't work. It was like, this is not, it was way too overpowered. And it was because the conceit is, and Highcaster, you're a hero. And Dungeons and Dragons, you're a ruffian. You're a nobody. And you're trying to make something of yourself. And and that that sort of underdog thing, I had to switch the rules around to support that. That's um that's a, that's another key part to this. You know, you're not you're not some hero. You become a hero, maybe. Well, you well it, you don't necessarily become a hero, but you might stop a thing that might people might consider a hero, right? Because yeah, it, and I feel like that's a very American idea, of of like a peasant taking up a sword and like going off and like making something better of themselves mm-hmm. right because if you look at like the classical caste cultures all over the place like that would just not have happened at all like <laughs> you had to be born a much higher social caste to be able to like go do a thing somewhere else yeah but we have the luke skywalker motif you know where somebody uh who's a nobody becomes a somebody and that that is i think you're right i think that is an american idea yeah it that's even you know there are people that like in in classical stories there are definitely people that kind of make something of themselves but usually there's some sort of lesson they have to learn in the end right there's (laughs) they they might get up and then they get fall fall down right it's not or that you're just born into that station, you stay in that station, you deal with the situation in other stations, right? So, I that I th- I feel like, you know, merit dungeons, and um, the the idea of Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy role playing that follows is very much kind of like this crossroads of the myth classical cultural mythologies. And like the American, like, we're just gonna, we're gonna make it about our, our, our American experience of maybe being able to quote unquote move up in social status if you get enough money, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also you're always on the frontier, aren't you? In, in these games, like you're never, well, that's not true. I mean, definitely there are city games and stuff, but I think that the, the default setting, if you will, is that you're, you're in the frontier, you know, or outside of the frontier going back to a frontier town because there's something way past the mountains that are, you know, really dangerous and you, you need these intrepid explorers to go out and figure out what that is. And um, I, the idea of empires colliding or kingdoms fighting or all that kind of Tolkien style World War One stuff doesn't really happen in these fantasy games. And when they do, they're really epic and really interesting, you know, but they're not the default setting. I mean, yeah, people like you would think that in fantasy in, in dungeons dragons because that's mostly what we're talking about but uh, <laughs> uh, uh it, it, you would think that epic battles would be a big thing right that that but people are still trying to come up with a system that players can er- interact with for an epic battle like you know with like two gigantic armies clashing like i i see that question all the time like how 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 can I get my players group to be involved in this big epic battle? Because, you know, that's where the story was leading them. And it's just not how that it's not what the game is built for. Yeah. Right. So like we're it's built for a very specific thing and it's a very small group versus maybe a relatively large group of other people, uh, uh, creatures or people or whatever fighting it out individually but it's not built for like oh we're gonna have like you know fifty thousand roman troops and uh you know a hundred thousand uh gaelic troops you know like right (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely not when you you think of the roots though it's kind of funny that it's not and it's not you know i don't know that it was in the design intent to make it that way but the experience of of an actual medieval society where kingdoms are constantly fighting. You know, if we are going to take Britain, it was all of these warlords with their gallivanting uh, warriors uh, going across the, the landscape, beating each other up. That does not, it's not the default setting in fantasy role play. 
And when I read books like the Malazan Fallen, uh, Malazan Empire, or whatever the hell that whole series is called, that it, it, the entire thing is about a big conquest with the empire. And and I'm wondering, well, it, it, and I, I've heard that the uh, that he was a GURPS player. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe GURPS has rules for this, but the default fantasy setting, this is not it. You know, this is not, it's much more like Vox Machina with these people weighing over their heads doing some random shit off in the wilderness. And and that's, it's funny that when you just think about it objectively, that that is the baseline default setting, considering the source material. It's funny how much, uh, whenever I hear about a book that's based on a game, it's almost always GURPS. <laughs> I, it's just a weird, I'm, I just, I know it's an aside, it's a tangent, but like, like the expanse and like uh just multiple other just that book you were talking about like or or uh wh what's it stew from uh happy jacks like it was all a gurps campaign <laughs> right like what is it about gurps that makes <laughs> it like i guess they probably just get frustrated with the game and they're like shit we're just gonna have to write this shit down like i can't finish this or i'm i know i'm roasting gurps a little bit i played a little <laughs> bit of it but fantasy gurps plays like Dungeons and Dragons. At least the one couple sessions I played of Fancy Gurps. But like, <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's just weird that we kind of circle back around and frustrated writers go to Gurps and then they go write their own books. So it was really funny. I can't, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, George R. R. Martin also was a Gurps player. Uh, that as, as that tracks one hundred percent. Author, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just funny that I, I don't know why the, the default setting is always is this very specific situ situation and framing, you know, and uh, and and I, I love it. It's just really unique, and you don't really see it anywhere else. And and I and I'm a, I'm a history nut, so I look into history trying to say where does that trope come from. I can't really find it, not easily. Yeah, I, I feel like that's it's got to come. It's a very American like manifest destiny uh you know we we went west and then we you know we did things right that were yeah, you know yeah. it 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 very much comes out of that but it, it's like this weird like you know if you start thinking about it too much you it, it gets a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. and and because you know it's we when we i've done a show on you know the politics of all this like the colonialism and the ableism and all the stuff that's inherent with this, but it, it there's something still endearing about the experience, and it's a, you know it's a team building experience, it's a it's a friend building experience. Like I have friends today that I've played Dungeons and Dragons with for 25 years of my 40 plus year life, so. And I have played with them, not cons consistency, but we've always come back to, we're going to play a fantasy game. Mm -hmm. And there's something about getting together and uh, casting off, you know, is it where fantasy can provide a welcome escape from our, our mundane, boring lives, right? And I think that's very in intoxicating to young people, right? Because... They got no power, right? But then they can go in the, into a dungeon, stick a stick a, a, a dagger in a gob a, a cobalt, and get some money and go buy some shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they got no money to buy anything, and that's a fantasy to uh, young people, right? And now that we're old, we're like shit. I don't want to buy any more shit. <laughs> I got too <laughs> right. much shit. I want to get rid of it, right? So yeah. that part of the game kind of slackens, but then. You know, we're dealing with, you know, different kinds of scenarios at that point, right? There's right. there's a weird aging, you know, as you age, you kind of change what you're looking at. But like, it's the escapism of you have a power, you have power to do change the world to do something different, right? We all feel frustrated with all the things that are going on. And the more we know about what things are going on, the more frustrated we are. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so having these places to go and be away from everything to escape from these things and, and 
and, and unrealistic and maybe fantasy is the most escapism like uh, if you look at superhero stuff and the stuff i like the best like they got real lives they got <laughs> things are gonna happen to them that's gonna suck emotionally right yeah <laughs> but in a F- dungeons and dragons campaign they're just most of the time you know there is the trope of like oh you wrote a family in your backstory and then the game master is going to kidnap them eventually but like yeah we can please let's just line that trope out there's no need for that trope anymore just just have some other people get kidnapped and go get them so <laughs> yeah D almost becomes a palate cleanser like no one goes and ex- no one many people don't go in expecting an emotional journey you know i make games that are for that but D is definitely not for that at least not for me it, it's a palate cleanser it's kind of what you play in between the heavy games and you know when we're done with vampire i'll probably want to play some fantasy rpg for a little while to cleanse the palate because there's no emotional investment this is it, i might i might find some meaning or connection to the story but i'm not going to get like when, with some of these other games like great american witch when we played that campaign i still I, the first time i played that campaign with my group uh, I, I i was years ago and i'm still feeling the weight of the things that happened in that game and and i think that that game bonded me and the rest of the players probably for life it, in that kind of experience came out of that ca- campaign i'm not going to get a situation like that in D most of the time i mean I what feel i am like, going to get is a rollicking good time yeah i feel like there you can get there there can be scenes like that but you gotta like heavily invest in something that is not the core activity to get there. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, I mean, like that 10 candles game you ran. Oh yeah. I still get pangs from that every once in a while. That like, was a rough one, man. That was a super <laughs> rough game. And I intentionally cranked it up. Like it was not, it yes. was, it was on both of us, but it was on me. Like <laughs> I said some shit that I knew was super easy to go in a direction I mean, I had to go home and hug my wife. I had to go home and hug my wife after that because I was I was done. I was devastated. Like, and that's not, I mean, losing, you know, the thing that I think a lot of people like think about character death, right? Is is like this big debate about character death and and the fantasy games. And fantasy games are the place where you can just like come back to life, right? But like yeah. you losing all that time you spent with everyone is almost more devastating than losing the character. Right. Right. It's, it's this weird, like, uh, of like, Oh shit, man, we spent like six weeks, you know, six, eight, 10 weeks, you know, back in the day, we'd, we'd spend, you know, eight, 10 hours a, you know, a night playing, you know, and losing those characters was devastating. Cause you lost all that time. Right. It's, I, yeah. I feel like you lost the investment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whereas the you know the sort of then the indie indie scene the games are are much more cinematic and so you're feeling the emotions of the scene, and and you know we call that bleed where it just sort of brings it brings it into your own life, and that kind of gameplay is well, it's amazing it's kind of the design I go for a lot of the time but it 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 isn't what fantasy roleplay is for you know and and I I think that one of the reasons we as gamers go all the way back to fantasy roleplay as a default because it's it's emotionally easy you know and um we can get invested in our characters and i have had really intense moments in D games uh but they're sort of few and far between and they're always the the mile markers you know on the campaign but the day-to-day on those games are really just you know just for fun real easy and and I think that's the you know somewhat the magic of this kind of game, is your, um, kind of like, you've you've got some, uh, power or uh you know, and then you're able to do stuff, and you're like oh oops I just burned down that village eh, shit all right <laughs> instead of oh my god all those people are dead why did that happen? you know like it's like this like emotional you're 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 like i gotta i gotta do the thing i'm 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 here to do this thing and i happen to burn down a thing oh well like you know it's it it really is like this release of like you know there's that time when you want to punch somebody in the face 
you can't do it because you're going to go to jail. Right. But in fantasy, like you can just straight up punch a dude and then it's a great time because then it starts a fight in the bar that burns it down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is a good time. And, and it's funny when um, you play it on the default setting. One of the reasons is another reason I, I wanted to work on Dungeon Caster was because the, the game rules for D&D uh, are often in conflict with the Adventure Path stories. And so we, I get really excited about these adventure paths and I'll read them cover to cover, you know, and, and I'm like, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to play this game. And then I get it to the table and it just turns into a shit show. And, you know, it, and it's like the whole story that I got so invested with just goes away because it falls apart at the hands of players that are still playing this baseline setting where, you know, we're going to just go in knock down some doors, take some stuff and be assholes, which is fine. I like that kind of gameplay. But when you're trying to, when you're invested in the story that you got excited about on those adventure paths, then it's like, oh, well, what's, I'm never going to get to play this story out. And, and that was one of the biggest reasons I put in Dungeon Casters is I wanted to play these stories out, you know, without having to fall into those, those D&D habits, which, you know, the stories are always second. They always play second fiddle to the game. Yeah, they're the block text, right? Right. That's not the the text is not. I just need the stats. I need the stats and the drawing of this particular shaped room with whatever is in it, right? It 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 is. It does get kind of boiled down into like, you know, there's a reason you can do. People are super excited about one page dungeon stuff, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean. And and they're doing, you know, people are doing this Dungeon 23 thing this year. And I I sort of fell off. I was doing a, a, a sci-fi thing a day, writing a sci-fi, like, snippet a day just to kind of like, and I, I got too busy. But people are still doing, like, building a room for a dungeon a day to try, like, that is, like, the thing that was super compelling at the beginning of the year. And there's still a couple people doing it, and I'm sure that they will keep going, right? I've done some of those. I've made it through one 365 challenge on photography. That's, that's the only time I ever got through one of those. But, um, but it's that like, oh, designing a room for a dungeon is a fascinating little ecosystem that you can place in your dungeon, right? That yeah, that, that yeah. that's as a game master, that is like the thing like oh well i rolled some dice and then sometimes you get the emergent storytelling from those tables and those that you know just rolling some dice to make a thing and that can be often quite compelling and often it just doesn't make any sense like not at all yeah. but it's fun anyways like <laughs> and i think dungeons can be a grind um if you are looking at it entirely from a tactical point of view i mean it's like if you're if you're if your game session is initiative hit points armor class and that's it then they're a grind and they're not that fun and i i, I know when dungeons come out uh, and some of my groups are like oh you know i don't want to go through all of that um but when you when you strip all that away and you focus only on the story of the dungeon they can be very very compelling uh, I, I ran mad mage and just to see if i could and, and using these new mechanics and you know the entire session took place with in one room with a bunch of actors and you know the conflicts that they were playing out were not violence it was just sort of this sort of witty exchange and that and then that was that was the whole session you know and you were, we're still in a dungeon but it's way more interesting than beating up a bunch of actors and taking their stuff you know the actors are are now people that have motivations and you know something to interact with Right. And, and I think that's the journey that, that uh, role-playing is on because in the start, it was just, it, you would have walked in, it's a bunch of actors. They got a magic loot or something. Get them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, Oh no. You know, and like you've got the Shakespearean, like, no, do not attack me with my magical loot. I'm just playing and I'm making you dance, you know? And then like, you're like, Oh, welcome to our, you know, like, that is that is a journey that we've been on and we've had peaks and valleys of that kind of thought over the years like there's we were just talking about the ghostbusters role playing game from the from the 80s being like one of these like seminal moments where 
there was this movement more towards the story side of these things. And then you get, then you kind of go back the other way as, as you get further into 2E territory and like, but there's these, the reason we collect all these books, right. Is somebody likes to read the stories in these books, right. That (laughs) people, that people have written to play through. And, uh, you know, that's, there is a balance to be struck there, but I think, you know, fantasy has the thing for all the player types. It has the tactical, it has this drama nerd. You've got the, you know, I just want to be with my friends and they're all happy because they've all got something else to, you know, something else to concentrate on where some things like, you know, vampire, the masquerade, you could play it tactically, but it's not super satisfying to do so. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, so it's you, in the dramatics. Right. Yeah. So it, it it's it's covering all of the people. Right. And if you can if you could come up with a, and I think you truly I think that somebody is going to crack superhero role playing games eventually. Somebody. I think there were some high points like the old FASA game, I think, was probably <laughs> f- <laughs> yeah. phase, phase rip and all that. But like somebody's going to come up with a way to do to cover all the bases and people are going to be into it and that's going to be some competition but until we find these other genres can cover all the bases i don't think you're gonna see a lot of uh uh, uh, sci-fi topping the sales charts yeah fantasy rpg is the, the great equalizer i mean it's sort of a common ground everybody can settle in on and um and it's flexible enough that you can steer it. It doesn't have to be Manifest Destiny. It can be any number of things, you know. And so it's really easy to customize because it's, it's, it's. There are a lot of tropes, but nothing is set in stone. Like with superhero genre, a lot of things are kind of. It's not as flexible. I mean, you have tropes that almost have to be there. Um, and same with noir, or, um, you know, it depends on sci-fi. Like if you're playing a more uh, expanse style sort of near near future versus space opera things like that some of those tropes aren't as flexible but with fantasy you can kind of just bend it to your will at the table right and and you can you know you can bring your own folklore and mythology to a fantasy game and no one's going to question it right yeah but right. if i go i'm doing star wars my way i should just not have said star wars yeah right i should just say we're doing a a space fantasy game it's a sci-fi sci-fi fantasy game space opera and we're going to do it because if as soon as i say star wars everybody knows what i'm talking about right and there's lore (laughs) there's an encyclopedia there's lore wikipedia and there's the uh there they already have pictures in their head right and that's really handy if that's what you want to play but you're like no 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 i want to like retcon like the 30 years after this thing <laughs> completely <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah, might, no. might be a few movies that are i don't we're just gonna we're just gonna throw over our shoulder and we're gonna play a completely different thing after this point in the timeline <laughs> right uh yeah. that's really hard but if i say okay we're playing dungeons dragons my as a game master i'm gonna say I'm going to start the game after the hundred years war. That's Mm -hmm. my setting. And I'm going to, but the hundred years or war was between the Elvish kingdom and the, 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 uh, the mermaid kingdom. Right. I can do that. And I can know that that's what's happening and no one's going to call me on it. Right. And no one's or care. (laughs) No one's going to understand what's in, you know, and then we're going to go explore a bunch of, bunch of mermaid dungeons because <laughs> that's what I want to do because they got wrecked in the Hundred Years War and, you know, that sort of thing. So, like, yeah. I can just pull from whatever mythology or folklore or, you know, culture, you know, and there's a lot of people that use fantasy to show people their culture nowadays, Right. right. There's the whole the whole movement of the, you know, South South Pacific uh, designers. And I've met I met a couple of Mexican uh, designers and they're like, yeah, nobody wants to read anything if it's not in English. 
because the Spanish English Spanish Spanish is different than Mexican Spanish, and so it's hard to train. It's harder to translate that than it is to English because everybody knows what Dungeons and Dragons and. <laughs> So there's a whole movement of showing your culture through fantasy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, and it's a beautiful thing. And I, I also love seeing it. We've been talking about sort of Western fantasy as we know it that came about in the seventies and we've been riding that wave ever since, but there's, there's fantasy coming out um, in different parts of the world that we're seeing in different medium that I think is changing how role playing games are made. Um, in particular, the you know with manga and anime, who um, I'm a big fan of now because of my kid. But all of those baselines and tropes are very, very different, you know. And we have completely different perspectives on on the fantasy genre now that that are totally incompatible in a way <laughs> with the Western approach and the sort of like roots in Tolkien. Whereas you know Japan came came of age and didn't have any of those, has no context for that and created a whole completely different river. And that's a really exciting thing to see that hit the video game world. And I'd like to see more of it in the, in the tabletop role-playing game world. Yeah, I, th I think that's true. And it may, their cultural background may be why Call of Cthulhu is more popular there than mm, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah, that, that, right. That, that their myths kind of plug more easily into, uh, you know, the mythos of Cthulhu than it does into the myth of we're going to go out and raid some dungeons. Right. You know, when you look pet. at the popular animes, which technically fall into the fantasy genre attack on Titan, or um, I'm trying to think of another example, the, uh, the, the demon slayer. Um, they're, 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 they're obviously uh, built in sort of a feudal Japan kind of mindset. But the the fantasy tropes are completely different, you know, and and it's just I don't know, it's just great to see with the global boundaries falling apart. We are starting to see other uh, other approaches to this genre, which are very exciting. Yeah, I think the straightest uh, anime I know of that's fantasy is probably Record of the Lotus Wars, but that's like I don't I don't know where that comes from, but I that's as D and D as I can think of. So yeah. Uh, and I don't know much about anime, but I do remember the names. Well, <laughs> and I think um, Demon Slayer is probably close to D and D in terms of what you would expect from a, a medieval society fantasy, right? Right. But the the tropes are all about um, an elite group of people protecting the common people from threats, right. which is like shogunite, you know, kind of that sort of samurai mindset. And it is totally alien to the Western um, point of view on fantasy, which is that we're going to go and conquer and take stuff. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, we are going to protect our home kind of mindset as opposed to we're going to invade other people's homes. And that, that difference right there is, is really interesting and something to pay attention to. Right. Well, I, you know, I think, fantasy is this thing that will just you know it's going to be the the underpinnings we're going to work around it as we best we can of the of this until you know some of, more of those cultural other cultures are going to do their own thing and eventually we're going to see more feedback into that and eventually i'm hoping that like just like the the fact that most of the good netflix stuff is coming from south korea that mm -hmm. eventually we get to that point too um yeah with role-playing games. So uh, just to see those takes on it so I can experience those takes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, is there anything else you want to say about this topic right now? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good so about it. There's so much to say, but I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I feel, I feel like we covered a lot of ground. If you um, listening to this uh, want to say something, I'm going to post it up on our Discord and on the socials and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, get at, get at me, uh, let me know what, what you think about what we're just talking about. Um, I think we, I, I had a lot of fun having this conversation. You know, I'm, I'm a big sci-fi guy. I love science fiction, but I still play fantasy all the time. I have giant mm -hmm. bookshelves of fantasy stuff. And, uh, I think there's something still compelling about it, even though I would prefer to a laser gun over a sword. Just, <laughs> Well, yeah, I always go back to it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, uh, you know, I'll I'll link uh, Dungeon Caster in the uh, uh, in the 
show notes. Uh, if there's, is there anything else you want to plug or talk about uh, before we uh, finish? I know uh, there's going to be a lot of content. I think this year in Dungeon Caster and Highcaster, I'm really excited about it. I think I'll be putting out some things that are not fantasy this year as well. But um, but it, it it's going to be my playground for quite some time. So I hope that you'll join me in the Highcaster world. Um, take a look at what I'm working on, and you know, bring the game into your home and tell me how it goes. I would love to see it. Well, I've backed it already, so you should look into it. Those out and, out and there. make games with Dungeon Caster. That's what it's for. I right. want to see what you guys come up with. Yeah, and and there's some interesting mechanics that uh, you know, it's a it's a, a lot of different stuff has gone into that. Maybe we'll we'll get in deep into that some other night. Um, but uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I really appreciate the patrons who have been uh, patient with me and uh, come along with this journey. Uh, if you guys need anything, let me know. Uh, full Metal RP or full uh, patreon.com slash RPG or just go to fullmetalrpg.com to, for our link tree and you can find where we're at, what we do. Um, I'm If you got an interesting uh, uh, topic, like shout out me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for new and interesting things to talk about. And we're going to, I'm excited. I'm getting excited about this year again, where we've been working a lot of stuff behind the scenes. So, uh, thank you everybody. Have a good night. Rah.